I'm going to follow on from what we were talking about uh, last week. We were talking about unity and the importance of unity. Um, if we want to see God really move in our, our fellowship here, then the, it needs to come from a place of stability. It needs to be coming from a place where we are together, where we're joined together, uh, and, and all singing off the same hymn sheet, if I can use that expression. Um, and, and really had a number of things which I would have shared last week, but just as you start to really open up the scriptures and start to get to know what God is really saying, you realize uh, that there's so much in it, so much even in just one verse in the Bible. And so kind of following on from unity, I'm going to talk about love today um, because it's kind of part, of, part, and pans, part and parcel of what we were thinking about last week. And really, love is at the heart of any healthy Christian church. Any church which is growing and is healthy, love is at the heart of that. And uh, it's um, something that we express in our core values as a church, uh, the, the value uh, around family. And it says, it is our aim to help build a church where loving relationships are at the heart of everything we do. Love is so important. And we're going to come on and think about a few verses uh, around that. Um, why is love so important, do you think? Any ideas? It's not a rhetorical question. Pardon? It was a command. We'll come to that. Yes. Any other, any other suggestions? Ian always gets the right answer. <laughs> I'm just... That is the right answer, but I'm pulling your leg at the same time, Ian. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, God is love. That's an astounding passage. And I remember when I was in Japan, I was learning to read and write Japanese. Um, and I, I remember writing this expression down on a piece of paper, Kamiwa Aides, which is God is love. And one of the bosses in the department came along and looked over my shoulder and he said, that's not right. And he was trying to correct my grammar. And I was saying, actually, it is right. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says God is love. Who knows what impact that had on him? I don't know. But the bottom line is that love is foundational to the Christian church. If there is no love, then we've got a different kind of church. It's actually seen in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, where there is this intimacy of relationship between the three. There is this uh, depth of relationship that is evident and you, you hear it coming through in the things that Jesus says. Um, and, and we hear it in the scriptures as we read from Genesis through to Revelation. We see this incredible relationship. We see this incredible working together. So how do you know that someone loves you? How do you know that someone loves you? And no share songs, by the way. For those who are into share. How do you know that somebody loves you? Because they demonstrate it. How, how do we demonstrate love? We say it. The things that we say. Pardon? Expressions. Our eye contact. Things that we do for people. Things that were brought... <laughs> I missed that. I never... 
or the things we put up with. Okay. And I know that Grace has to put up with a lot. <laughs> I'm not kidding. But it's, it's true. It's, it's so true. We, can, we express our love. If we have love in our hearts, there needs to be some kind of expression to that through the things that we say, through the things that we do, the little things sometimes that we do. A smile, the way that we look at somebody. And... And it's so true. Sometimes it is the things that other people put up with about us. Not the things that I put up with, but the things that other people endure because of me. And I say that in Mary sitting here, uh, and she will tell you um, <laughs> the, the things that she has to put up with. This is our 25th year of marriage come March the 30th. 25 years. <laughs> and there have been times I know that Mary has had to put up with things because I am a work in progress. I am a Christian, I love God, but I am a work in progress. And I slip up and I fall and I know that she loves me because she continues to demonstrate that despite the things that she has to put up with. And we know when somebody loves us. Children are very perceptive, aren't they? The children know when somebody likes them or not, right? For Robert Cook, it's when he throws them up into the air, catches them when they come back down, and then they're nearly, and then they're nearly sick, okay? But, but children know when you love them. They are so perceptive. But do you know something? It doesn't change. As we grow up, we still know when somebody loves us. We know it deep inside, and it's, it's through the things that people do and the things that we say. Love is demonstrated. And really, I'm talking about this because I really believe that love is a foundational thing and that if we uh, want to see new people coming into church and knowing who God is and putting their trust in God, they need to come to a place where there is that love I remember the first time that I came into this church. Uh, we, we came in, it was Christmas 1990. We came in and just the, there was such an incredible something that we knew, that we knew there was something in here. Um, people talk about it being friendly. People use different expressions about the church being loving, there being an atmosphere, there being something that people connected with. And that is so, so important for the Christian church. I believe wholeheartedly in all the different aspects and dynamics of the church, things like the gifts of the Spirit, and I want to see more of the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. Not just here on a Sunday, but each time we gather. It might be even a one-on-one. -on -one. It might be where we are uh, in, in the community, in the workplace, and to, to, to really have that connection uh, where we hear what God is saying and we're able to minister to people. But Paul, when he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians, goes on to talk about a more excellent way. We're a Pentecostal church, and in a Pentecostal church, the gifts of the Spirit, the expression of the Holy Spirit are important, and we, we, we value that. 
But Paul uses this expression. Uh, he says, earnestly desire the best gifts, full stop. And yet I show you a more excellent way. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. And then he goes in to this passage on love. And it was that phrase, I didn't go into the whole passage on love, believe it or not, even though that was what I was speaking on. But it was that phrase a more excellent way that really caught my attention this time round as I was reading. And if you look at the root word here, it's actually made up of two words, which mean to throw beyond the usual mark. More excellent. It's something that is beyond what is really good. Something that's even more important. And I, I, I kind of thought of the, the kind of situation where we're at the beach and we pick up a stone and we, we get a nice flatty and we, we skim that stone and sometimes you just get a particularly good stone, don't you? And you get a particularly good throw and you get a particularly good water surface and it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And goes. You know what I'm talking about, yeah? And you go, wow, that was a cracker. It's going beyond the usual mark. We have competitions throwing stones down at Strathclyde Park uh, to see who can get them the furthest. And, and it's that throwing beyond the normal mark. This is what we normally achieve, but then it's beyond that. And that's what Paul is saying about love. Spiritual gifts are great and necessary, but he says there's something that goes beyond even that, and it is love, because God is love. And in that passage, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, there's a little phrase that caught my attention a long time ago, and it has stuck with me. Love never fails. Love never fails. It doesn't matter what's happening. If we can apply this verse into that situation, love never fails, then we will perhaps see godly outcomes in those situations. I think it is one of the most important verses in the Bible because it tells us that God is love and God never fails. It's the hallmark of a believing community. There are things which come and test our love for one another. But we need to continue to love our brother and sister. First John chapter 2, verse 9. If you want to learn about love, go into the book of John, the Gospel of John, and also the letters of John. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. Love is so important. The Hebrew people, the Jewish people, were a people of the book. They were a people of the scriptures. And they would examine the scriptures and study the scriptures and know the scriptures inside out and be able to quote huge portions of scripture, whole books, in fact. And then along comes a teacher of the law and he's saying to Jesus, what's the most important, uh, what, what, uh, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Which is the greatest? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything that was written in the law of Moses, 
Everything that was written by the prophets hang on these two commandments. And when it says love God and love your neighbor, it's a verb and it's a future tense verb. It's something that we will do. It's something that we're doing just now, but it's something that the, these people had to do. It's not a noun. It's not a naming word. It's a doing word. Love is something that we do. And Jesus reinforces this commandment when he's speaking with his disciples. They've gathered to celebrate the Passover. And it was Jesus' time, his last moments on earth. And after showing his disciples, after demonstrating how much he loved them, after demonstrating how important it was to serve rather than to be served, after demonstrating what it meant to take the path of humility, he said this to his disciples, the path of humility through washing their feet. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. He uses this expression, love one another, three times in a very short space of time. When somebody says something three times, you know that it's important. But then he throws something else into the works here. Love one another. And then he goes on to say, as I have loved you, so must you love one another. Wow. Who can claim in here to be able to do this? To love other people as Jesus loves them. Okay, glad no hands went up there. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, that transforming power of the Holy Spirit, through God's presence in our lives, through the Word of God getting into our lives and creating something, producing something, stirring something up within us, through these things, we can have the strength to love one another as He has loved us. There's no point in Jesus saying this if it's not possible. But then we need to recognize that it's his presence in our lives that makes it possible. We can't achieve it in our own. We need to recognize the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to recognize the power of the word of God coming into our lives. These two forces bring transformation. And uh, I listened to a message by R.T. Kendall where he talked about the importance of the spirit and the importance of the word. Some people are all spirit. Some people are all word. But he talked about the importance of both of those things coming together. And it's quite a message, actually. If you'd like to hear that message, I'll, I'll make it available for you. The importance of the word and the spirit to create transformation within us. To create a person who is capable of this love that Jesus talks about. Paul talks about the fact that love must be sincere. He says, love must, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 16. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer, 
share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Where do you start with a passage like that? I'm not going to expand on that passage. What I am going to encourage you to do is when you go home to look up Romans chapter 12, go to verses 9 to 16 and sit down, read it prayerfully, meditate on that and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you because there is so much in that one passage that there are umpteen sermons in that passage. But to be faithful in prayer is important. Joyful in hope, patient in affliction, sharing with one another, taking the lower position, being humble. Love must be sincere because people can tell when love isn't sincere. And I think the, the times in the history of the church as, as a, a movement for the last 2,000 years, the times in the history of the church where there are moments that we look back on and we say, we're not proud of that. We're not proud of what happened in the church in those days. I think these are the times where the church lost its way and there was a lack of love in the church and the church lost sight. And the church lost sight of love needing to be sincere. Talked last week about how sometimes there needs to be correction. We make mistakes. Last week I made a little small mistake, Brandon, didn't I? Because I said that Paul didn't talk about why Mark didn't uh, get to go on the trip. And, and Brandon came up to me and said, but actually the Bible tells you why. Because Mark deserted him. I'm like, you're right, Brandon. And he was right. And I was like, what was meaning was behind that? Why did he desert? It didn't really tell, tell us why. And, and there's different views depending on which uh, commentary you read. But Brandon, thank you very much for coming up and saying, actually, no, I'm, re I'm being serious. I'm being serious. Thank you for coming up and saying, actually, it does tell us. Well, if the pastor makes a mistake, it's because he's nervous or he's forgot to say something or he's diverted from his notes. And that, that little bit was in my notes, I just didn't read it out. But there are times when we need somebody to come along and say, actually, I, thought, I don't think you're getting it quite right there. And that should be okay. And we should be able to receive that in love. Because when somebody loves you, you know that when they come and say something that you don't really want to hear, that it's because they love you and it's for your benefit and it's for your good. Happens to me all the time. <laughs> and Mary's laughing because she knows what I'm talking about. And there are other verses throughout the Bible and we could talk about this until tea time and beyond. But 1 Peter chapter 1, 22, 23 says this, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers. Sincere love. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. To love one another sincerely. To love one another deeply from the heart. 
We know when there's that heart connection. We know. And just as I finish off, the importance of remembering that it's God's love that allows us to love. Some of the criticisms that get leveled at Christians these days are, you know, do you have to be a Christian to be able to do good? Surely, surely you can do good if you're not a Christian. Well, the reality is that there are many people in the world who are not Christians who do good things. And my answer to that after having thought about it for a while is the reason that we're capable of doing good is because we're made in God's image. People are made in God's image, which is why we have have any capability of doing anything that's good, because God is good, God is love, and we are made in his image, and there's that capacity within us for good. But as Christians, let me read this passage from John, 1 John, sorry, uh, chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. The passage that we quoted right at the start. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. God demonstrated his love and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God has demonstrated his love through the cross. God continues to demonstrate his love through forgiving us and making room for us to grow and develop as Christians. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. God demonstrates his love in this way. And I think we have the opportunity to really do something with our lives that makes a difference in this world. We have an opportunity in the here and now to put these things into practice in our lives, in our church, in our fellowship here. We have an opportunity. And something that I was thinking about, and I will finish with this. Now that the place is heated up, I feel I've got a few more minutes. When I was in Romania, uh, it was my first ever short-term missions trip. And I remember sitting in a church and... I think kind of what was happening was washing over me a bit. I think it was time to take up the offering um, and the choir had begun to sing this song. And it took me a little moment or two to realize that the song that they were singing was that song, Here I Am, Holy Available. As for me, I will serve the Lord. The fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. So Lord, I give myself to help the reaping, to gather precious souls unto you. And then the penny dropped. This was the song that I had sung as a response to God. As a young person, as a young man. And saying, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And in that moment, I heard the still small voice of God. And it was just this little phrase, you're here now. 
This is what I dreamed of for years, and now the opportunity had come. And it's that little expression, you're here now. I get emotional just thinking about it. And then I got to thinking, this, this week as I was preparing this message about that moment where we will stand in his presence in heaven. And I don't know if we'll be singing. I don't know if we'll all be together or you might want to go off and join some other folks at, at their kind of corner of heaven and join in in their party. But it struck me that we have an opportunity to really be connected in such a, a close way as brothers and sisters. Because in that moment, I think we'll not hear a still small voice. We'll hear an audible voice that says, you're here now. You're here now. With all your brothers and sisters, with all the people who have went before, you're here now. What an incredible place to be. You're here now. And here we are in this moment in time. And God says, you're here now. What are we going to do with this moment? What are we going to do with today? What are we going to do with our lives this week? How are we going to express and demonstrate this incredible love that God has for us? We have opportunity to do so much. And my encouragement is that we grasp hold of the opportunities. Send somebody a text, a card, a letter, an email. Pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Do something that expresses that incredible love that we have for each other. Do something that expresses the incredible love that God has for those who are not yet Christians. Some of these people that we saw, uh, that, that Ron and Joanna were talking about on this video, fathers, mothers, boys and girls, the prisoners in Adiwell and in Shots, the kids in our schools, the people in your workplace, the people in your street, we have an opportunity to do something to demonstrate the love of God. Let's pray. Perhaps the musicians could come back up. Father, we thank you for your incredible presence in our lives. Father, we are so blessed to have your Holy Spirit live within us. Father, we are so blessed to have the opportunity to pick up a Bible and to read your words that can change our lives. But Father, we're also privileged that we can gather freely in a church building like this. And we can come and we can worship you and we can praise you and we can give you thanksgiving. And Father, we can, we can do incredible things like welcome new people into membership in the church. Father, we thank you for all the different groups which run in the church, different ways where we connect with people and connect with each other. And Lord, my prayer is that you would take all of these things and, Father, that you would breathe upon them. Father, that you would energize every activity with your Holy Spirit. And, Father, that you breathe into us such an incredible love for one another 
Father, we confess this morning that we are not able to do these in our own strength. Even the Bible says, with man these things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. Father, help us to continue to believe. Father, help us to continue to believe for the prodigals, some of them in our own families. Father, help us to continue to believe for fathers to come to this place of knowing you. And Father, we pray that you do an incredible thing amongst us. May our hearts be inclined towards each other. And Father, we pray that you'd help us, help us not to look only to our own interests, but also to the interests mm -hmm. of others. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. And Lord, we pray that today would only be a catalyst to what you want to say in our lives and do in our lives. Fathers, we take that passage in Romans 12 and just meditate on that, perhaps today or at some point this week. We pray that your spirit would speak into our hearts and that we would know your voice. And Father, we pray that we would be changed every day in greater measure, from glory to glory, changed into your likeness, into Jesus' likeness. Father, we pray your blessing on this congregation, on those who can't be with us today for whatever reason. Lord, we pray your blessing. Father, we pray for a, a, an outpouring of gifts of healing uh, in, in the church. Father, we pray that, that, we would see, that we would see miracles happen, Father. Lord, that we would see incredible things happen that only can be attributed to you. Father, we look to you. We don't have anyone else that we can look to other than you. Bless us now as we take up our offering. In Jesus' name, amen.